postseason baseball has arrived on Sunday. Golds, Aria Masudi and Brett Nevitt joining you here as we get you set for the Oxford Regional Florida State, a three seed. And they will be in the same regional as Ole Miss, who is the number 12 national seed, uh, two seed Southern Miss. Of course, the Knowles is the three. And then Southeast Missouri is the four seed. Uh, Brett, before we get into this breakdown, and, and we're going to do a, a thorough breakdown of each of the teams in this regional, um, let's talk a little bit about the ACC tournament. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. Um, really, it ended up being kind of meaningless for Florida State in the grand scheme of things anyway. But the Knowles go down to Duke in a game that was pretty much over by the middle of the fourth or fifth inning. Um, and then they, they bounce back with a nice win over the Miami Hurricanes, which anytime you can go 4-0 against a rival, you're going to take that. Um, overall thoughts on the week spent in Charlotte? Yeah, I mean, it just got out of hand quickly. Um, I know you said it was over by mid-fourth or fifth, but it kind of felt like it was over um, before Florida State even recorded an out. Um, you know, Rothenberg's grand slam puts them up 5-0 on the top of the first. Um, you know, first time this year Bryce has really laid an egg like that. Obviously, it's not a great time to come at, but I think, you know, you're still confident in what Bryce can give you. And, um, you know, you're confident that him and Belly go in and, and figure some things out this week and, um, you know, right the wrongs that were there and, you know, some of the body language and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, to bounce back and beat Miami is a good thing to finish off that season sweep. You saw the guys play hard in a game that really wasn't meaningless, I thought. You saw some back and forth in between them and Miami, and, you know, a lot of that's pushed by Parker, and it was good to see Parker get back on track and, you know, kind of that, you know, back and forth between him and Rosario and Miami and Florida State's dugout was was kind of something that it looked like that's what he needed to get himself back on track. Those last inning Parker threw was one of his best innings he's thrown in recent weeks. So um, I think we're going to get the best version of Parker Messick moving forward. And, and that was kind of the biggest thing I took from the week, um, you know, moving here into regionals. Yeah, Florida State again, uh, they knocked off Miami to kind of build some momentum moving into postseason. Uh, Logan Lacey again hits a, a big home run there in the ninth. Um, and the Knowles were able to close it out. Jonas Calaro, uh, shout out to him for, for getting a big strikeout to end that one with the bases loaded. Um, coming in, doing his job against a lefty, they asked him to, to pitch situationally, and he did it at a high level um, in Charlotte. Yeah, I've got just two more things thinking about it. Um, I mean, that Duke team is, a, is it, I mean, Florida State really ran into a buzzsaw. I mean, those guys are, what, I think they've won 12 straight games now after winning after winning the ACC tournament, um, you know, they're a two seed in the bracket now, and they were really, you know, out of it three weeks ago. And they just won 12 straight games and put themselves as a two seed. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't want to lose like how you did, but, um, you know, Duke proved to be that team that, you know, you didn't want to face in, in the ACC tournament. So it wasn't a very, you know, good draw for Florida State or Miami. But um, and then just the other thing, you know, Jack Anderson really struggled in the ninth inning. Um, obviously, like you said, Jonah came in and, and shut the door and did a good job there, like the veteran usually does. And um, you know, I just it was really the first time in about three weeks that Jack had actually made an appearance. Um, or I said two weeks. Um, you know, he only had two pitches against NC State and got hit in the hand. And it was the first time since he got hit in the hand by that line drive he had thrown. So, um, you know, I think Meat was trying to get him to work through a tough situation and see what he would do in a tough situation. I know a lot of people were unhappy he was left in as long as he was but um you know jack's been their guys and re their guy in recent weeks in close situations and late game situations so um they're just writing it out there and seeing what he could do for them and i think you know that will still be the guy they go to in late innings moving forward 
Yeah, and I think, too, we talked about going into the ACC tournament, you know, how would Florida State approach it? And I think, you know, in the last pod we, we touched on, right? Like, yes, you're going for the win, but the way that the format works in the ACC tournament, it's kind of messed up in the way that it competitively allows, like, the highest seed to, to get through with a, a one-on-one record. Uh, in our case, in, in, in our group, um, in our pod, a Duke was able to get through with a 2-0. and But I was uh, very pleased to see Meet kind of by the fifth inning when that game was out of hand start to give some guys um, a look. We even saw uh, Kyle McMullen back in there uh, getting a chance to pitch, and, and I didn't know that we would ever see him pitch again um, this season. But um, seeing Armstrong get a chance, um, Brandon Walker getting a chance in these games, um, we saw a, new, a number of guys come in and, and get some get some time. And basically, it could have been you know just experience in a neutral site game, or hey, can you show me something in your inning or two innings of work where we have something else to think about moving into regional time? And then Friday, you had Parker Messick and Connor Grady pitch. Um, and again, yeah, it, it worked out. I think things went well for FSU and I think they got a lot accomplished in terms of positioning themselves for what is now going to be the most important weekend of the season. Yeah. Obviously you don't want to lose like how you lost and you want to move on to that, to the semifinals, but there were definitely positives to take away. I mean, I thought B walk through the ball really well. Uh, I thought Armstrong was, was really good after his first two batters kind of got ambushed a bit on early fastballs um, by some right-handed hitters. But after that, I thought he showed, um, you know, what he could be in the future for Florida state as that lefty sort of specialist arm. Um, you know, I thought again on Friday, Clayton Kukowski's shown you that he's just going to be dominant out of the bullpen. Um, you know, Connor Grady was, was really, really good on Friday out of the bullpen. I thought that was the sharpest we've seen him all year. Um, you know, I know some of that's got to do with him coming out of the bullpen and letting it eat a little bit more, not having to save some bullets, but yeah, he was really, really good. I mean, six up, six down. I think he had three Ks, um, you know, a lot of swing and misses. Slider was sharp almost. I think it was up to 87 or so fastball up to 93 or so. Um, yeah, that was really, really good to see. And I think you're really confident that that's your third arm right there in postseason play. And, um, you know, if you have to at some point bring him out of the bullpen, you know, he's going to be able to do that as well. That was kind of a throwback, wasn't it, to see Connor Grady back coming out of the pen. And um, he looked to be right at home, just doing what he used to do early on in his career, where he would come in and shut things down or bridge a gap for for numerous innings. Um, So uh, he pitched really well. Florida State able to get a big win against Miami uh, and look ahead. All right, let's talk before we break down this regional about the process of how they selected these regional Okay, we've, we've talked about the sites, but let's talk about how they picked each of these regionals and the seeding. Um, from a competitive standpoint, folks, being a two-seed or a three-seed makes very little difference um, other than who hits first in that early game, right? Like, you're going to play each other. Um, you're usually splitting hairs, I think, um, for the most part, between who's a two and who's a three. I did think FSU was a little disrespected, uh, maybe due to the RPI and, and the NCAA really showing you that the RPI was extremely important to them this season again. Um, but I don't have a whole lot of gripes with Florida State being a three. I thought it was a bit disrespectful when you looked at some of the other teams who got a two seed. Um, but, Brett, um, and we'll, we'll chat about it, the Knowles got put into a, a pretty tough regional. Okay. My thing is it doesn't really make sense how Florida State you know, is, a, is a three. Um, you know, I know it doesn't make a huge difference and, you know, RPI is, is obviously they're 45 in RPI, but, um, you know, a lot of the selections to me just didn't make sense and it, it sort of wasn't consistent. I mean, Georgia Tech is a two, um, Florida State beat Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech, um, head to head and Georgia Tech's behind FSU and RPI. 
Um, you know, it just it it's it's hard for me to make sense of some of these things. I know Georgia Tech get, gets Fandy, and they go to that regional, and but it's just the fact that I mean, Florida State's probably the only top twenty five team here that is not a top, you know, thirty six team. Poor, I mean, thirty two team per the selection committee. Um, I mean, Florida State's a top thirty two team in the country, and the difference here is, I mean, Southern Miss if they beat Law Tech on. Saturday or Sunday of their conference play is probably a, a host. I mean, you're getting one of the top two seeds um, rather than a three seed. So, I mean, there's definitely some gripes to be had with Florida State as a three. But, I mean, either way, if you're a two or a three, you're going to have to go and prove yourself, and that's what they got to do now. And I think, if anything, it, it will kind of, you know, put a little extra motivation into this team to kind of prove some people wrong. But I think most of this has to do with, you know, the ACC um, and them not allowing teams to play all the full schedule that they could have. Yeah, I think definitely without that cross-pollination, the RPIs all the way around were, were not great. Uh, it ended up costing Notre Dame uh, a national seed chance at a top eight, which was ludicrous. Mike Martin Jr. couldn't believe it. Uh, it kept Pitt out of the field altogether, which if you want any sign that the process this season by the NCAA of how they h- chose regional hosts and how they tried to make this happen was was just completely messed up and um botched Pitt was a top 20 regional site that was announced and they're not going to be in the tournament that cannot happen um that's like if you took sports management right like in if you know anything about like sports management and management courses like that is the telltale sign that you had no idea what you were doing this year and the NCAA completely messed this up so uh Mike Bell and company are going to be at home not getting to play when they are clearly one of the best 64 teams in the country. I mean, they're probably one of the best 40 teams in the country. Um, and Mike Martin Jr. was not very happy about it uh, in his press conference. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame and Pitt both didn't make sense to me. Pitt was somebody that, you know, all projections had in. And, um, you know, when asked about them, they referenced the fact that, you know, in their last 10 games or so, they weren't very good. But, I mean, Alabama was awful in their last 10 games or 12 games. And, um, you know, Pitt put up a good showing at the ACC tournament as well. I mean, they won their first game you know, lose by one to NC state three to two and a, and a pitcher's duel. Another game. Um, you know, I, I, when we played Pitt, I thought they were really good. When I saw Pitt play in Charlotte this week, I thought they were very good. Um, you know, most of their losses come in a span right after they're on a COVID pause for two weeks. Um, you know, they only had eight non-conference games because of that. Um, you know, Notre Dame, like you said, just makes no sense. I mean, you put in your, you put on eight ACC teams into your bracket you're saying that that's the second best conference because that was the second most team and Notre Dame wins the conference handily by five or four and a half games in the regular season, but they're not a top eight team in the country. They're not even top nine. They're 10. Um, I, it's pretty obvious that the ACC messed something up here and what they thought would be, um, you know, the standard this year with the NCAA selection committee. Um, you know, that quote you were saying for meat said besides laughable, I really don't know what to say. I know a lot of people are shaking their heads when you think it's not about politics. Well, it is. Um, and you also said on ACC not allowing other, you know, out of conference series, you said it was a bad move, plain and simple, simple, and it blew up on our faces. So, I mean, and a lot of this had to do more so with Pitt not making it and Notre Dame not being a national seed, not as much as Florida State getting that three seed. Bama getting in with six series losses, multiple sweeps. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. We're, we're going to move on from, from that, um, from that. But I, but I do really believe folks, like someone asked me earlier this week, like, why do you think Florida state was a three seed and sent to 
um, Ole Miss and such a tough regional. And I said, you know, coming from a TV background, I really do believe that ESPN and the NCAA had a few conversations uh, and tried to get as many juicy matchups as you possibly could. We'll call it the sexy matchup for a, a potential Saturday. I didn't think it was a coincidence that as soon as Florida State's name popped up against Southern Miss, if you guys were paying attention, did you see it was on TV? ESPNU popped up right underneath for, for that time, which means ESPN and the NCAA have already talked about these matchups, right? Like you don't just pop that up on the selection show if you didn't already set your TV schedule for the weekend. Uh, Florida State, Ole Miss is also a very sexy matchup on a Saturday night. Like, can you imagine? That's probably going to be ESPN too, folks. Like, if FSU and Ole Miss get there for a, a Saturday night, you can expect that to be nationally televised. Um, so I do think FSU, the NCAA committee, tried to find a a regional area, right? Like, somewhere where they didn't have to send Florida State too far away, but could also create a pretty um, compelling television slate for the weekend and they, they do that all the time right you see ACC and SEC teams paired together often every year and it's because it allows for you know uh, more eyes to be interested in watching so uh, that I do believe that, that was part of why FSU was a three seed and Miami or um, Georgia Tech or a two seed I mean obviously ESPN would love Florida and Miami to play each other um, on a Saturday night like they're going to try and match that up if they can um and then it goes so on and so forth. But, um, yeah, either way, competitively, it makes really no, no difference for FSU. They picked a place where they could send Florida State for relatively cheap, if that makes sense. It's not a long flight. Um, and so the Knowles, I was told, actually did fly. They, they did not bus um, from Tallahassee to uh, Oxford. They flew to Tupelo, I believe. Um, I think so. And uh, they bussed um, the, the rest of the way. But... Yeah, Brett, um, I guess now we can break down the regional. And, folks, if it's not the hardest regional, it's one of the two or three toughest regionals. Um, if you look all the way around, and I think most of the, the experts in the sites agree that, that it's really good. Um, Ole Miss, 41-19, and 18-12 and 12 in the SEC. They come in with an RPI of 12. They're the 12 national seed. And uh, this, this uh, regional is paired with the Tucson Regional, which is the University of Arizona, who is the number five overall national seed. And Brett, these are going to end up being two of the toughest regionals that were put together um, because there really is a lot of depth when you look at this Oxford Regional. I mean, you got Ole Miss, you got Southern Miss, and you got Florida State. And then the four seed is maybe one of the only four seeds in the entire country that has a true draftable ace. Yeah, this is it's as deep as a regional as you're going to get. Um, like you said, uh, it's Southeast Missouri's ace is is really really good. I know we both watched some tape on him, and the numbers are ridiculous too. Um, Southern Southern Mississippi is is I mean they're a really good baseball team, and, and they've got a ton of arms. Florida State's got a ton of arms. Ole Miss has got a ton of bats, and they've got a dang good ace as well. Um, all these teams have a really good ace. I think you know. Um, you know, each of them can stack up with each other, I think, and each can stack up with any ace in the country, really. Um, I mean, the Casey's got a two point something. Um, Stanley and Dodd both have a two point something. Messick's got a two point something in, in ACC play. Um, you know, overall, this is just, I mean, it's just a loaded regional. Like, I, it's hard. When, I, when it first popped up on the screen, I was like, 
this is going to be tough. This is, this is no cakewalk at all. I mean, I think, you know, obviously Georgia a couple of years ago was probably a better, you know, host than, than Ole Miss, but I think Southern Miss is probably, um, you know, probably got a lot more arms than that FAU team did. And, you know, Florida State was able to outslug them, but I don't, I don't think that you're going to be in a bunch of slugging games this weekend, ex- except for playing Ole Miss. Yeah, I think, you know, someone noted that this region has three conference of the year uh, uh, p- pitchers. What is it? Uh, p- uh, pitcher of the years in the conference. I think I got that right. Um, so you got Stanley who won. Um, for the Powell conference USA, won it for them. was it Powell? Powell yeah, won it over Stanley. Yeah, I don't know how. But. Wow. Uh, either way, so you've got three three uh, pitchers of the year in each of these conferences, um, and the Dodd kid folks is going to give Missouri uh, some problems. He was incredible against Arkansas earlier this season on the road at Bomb, and Arkansas is con- uh, is pretty much considered by many to be the best team in the country right now. So they're winning my bracket. Yeah. I mean, they're, they are the team to beat. And it's, I think if they do win it, it'll be deserved just because, you know, a few years back they had a national title, literally fall out of the mitt. Like they dropped a pop, a foul, a foul ball to end the game against Oregon state. And then Oregon state ties the game, wins the game later on and then wins game three. So um, it could be a bit of vindiction. How in the world was that their first ever SEC tournament title this weekend? I don't know, man. Arkansas has been, you know, people like to say Florida State's like that program that wins a lot and doesn't win the big thing. Arkansas has been routinely very good under Dave Van Horn and f- struggles to win in Omaha. I mean, the Knolls knocked them off in 2019, won nothing when people were high on the Arkansas train that year. Um, yeah, and then they, I think, did they go 0-2, I think? They went 0-2, I believe. 2, so. I believe. Because they lost and, to Texas Tech. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so they know all about heartbreak um, over in Fayetteville. Um, but maybe this is the team that they have uh, to, to do some damage. But, all right, Brett, let's break down each of these teams, shall we? Let's go from one to four. You want to go to four? You want to go four to one? All right. I think Brett's prepared for, for the uh, four seed. SEMO, we'll call them, Southeast Missouri, uh, Southeast Missouri State. Uh, 30-20, and 17-10 in the Ohio Valley Conference. They win the regular season and the conference tournament. Yeah, and this is a team that's been good on the road and been good in home games as well. Um, I mean, been on, good on the road and, and close games as well. Um, you know, and they're a hot team coming in here. Uh, they've won eight of the eight and nine series in conference play, 19 of their last 26 games they've won. Um, we're 3-1 and one at the OVC tournament as they took home the title. Um, going to be the first NCAA tournament appearance for their head coach and Andy Sawyers. I think it's the fourth in in school history, uh, first time since 2016. They've never advanced to a super regional, um, you know. But I think this is a team that's going to give Ole Miss a run for their money on, on game one with with Dot on the mound. Um, uh, they're four, they're 12 and two this year with Dot on the mound on Fridays and game ones. And, you know, one of those losses was to Arkansas, like you said, and that was an extra innings loss in which he gave, gave up only three hits in six innings. Um, I mean, this guy throws a ton of innings too. He's averaging 6.1 innings pitch per start, six plus and 12 of 14 starts, two, seven, eight ERA overall. Um, this guy's, I mean, lefty throwing low nineties with a white bounce slider and a good changeup. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we both think that Ole Miss is not going to throw their ace. Um, I think that's what we both have kind of, you know, inferred from some stuff we've we've seen. And, um, you know, I think that will be a good game. I think it will be a better game than people expect. And, um, you know, when they score six-plus runs, there's 23-3. and three. 
So if they can get some run on the boards, get some runs on the board, um, I think they'll give Ole Miss some trouble here in that first game. Yeah, Tyler Wilbur hitting 389 for them, 75 hits and 49 RBIs. Wade Strauss, the catcher, um, he has 14 home runs, and so uh, they got some guys. You know, they got some guys who hit high. I think it's uh, it's really the Wilbur and the, uh, the the Javon Mason show, both guys hitting above 370, and then you got some pop in the lineup as well. And they can run a little bit, not a whole lot, um, but it sounds like uh, Southeast Missouri State is most threatening um, when they have Dot on the mound. Like, that's their guy. And, um, yeah, best-case scenario for Florida State is that Ole Miss goes down in game one with if they go with Derek Diamond instead of – uh, Nikhazy, and, and we'll break down Ole Miss's pitching situation uh, for the weekend, but it seems like, you know, the Red Hawks have a chance, at least in game one, of, of pulling the upset. Yeah, if they can get a homer, I mean, they don't hit many, but if they can get one and, um, you know, drive one out of the park and hold Miss, I mean, Ole Miss inside the park, they've got a chance. Um, they're 19-6 and six when they hit at least one homer and 17-6 and six when they don't allow any. They're also 12-4 and four in games decided by one or two runs, and I mean, I think you expect them to be in a game here with Dot on the mound, and I think you expect him to hold that Ole Miss lineup, in, you know, you know, down a bit until he comes out of the game. Um, you know, they've got a couple of bullpen arms, but not many. Uh, I mean, they haven't lost back-to-back games since March, so this isn't a team that's going to be an easy, you know, two in barbecue. I mean, you're not going to be out of there. They're not going to be out of there without a fight, I don't think. And you know, one-two in their lineup is a really good one-two punch. Um, Wilbur, like you mentioned, is you know was a semifinalist for the Brooks Wallace Award, which is recognizes Nason's top shortstop. Um, you know, Javon Mason has been kind of a guy that's broken out for them late in the season. Um, you know, their leadoff hitter, he hits 371, also has 470 on base percentage. Um, and then you know they got some power with Wade Stouse. He's got 14 home runs, but he's a bit of Elijah Cabell. He strikes out 1.44 times per game, so there's definitely swing and misses in there. But there's also Definitely some pop. So I think those are the guys that are right in that top of the order that, you know, could give some a uh, couple of these uh, more recognizable teams some trouble in Oxford. Yeah, Dodd is a lefty, and, and he reminds me a lot when we were watching the tape um, against Arkansas of Sean Gilmartin. Like, he, he really attacks you from the left-hand side, 92-93 with a fastball, and that changeup is a real weapon that he throws uh, often and confidently, and he attacks. So uh, I think, you know, he's, he's going to definitely not be afraid of the moment uh, against Ole Miss. He's pitched uh, against Arkansas uh, in a better lineup and in a more intimidating environment, too, in Bomb uh, in Fayetteville. So um, I think your best shot for Florida State is you're praying for Dodd to kind of carry – um, to kind of carry the rope here for uh, Simo and, and kind of get it done. And, you know, if you put Ole Miss behind the eight ball, now you really got yourself a, a much more navigable, um, you know, uh, regional. So, all right, there is uh, Southeast Missouri, 30 and 20 overall, 17 and 10. I want to say their RPI ended up this year in the, in the low 80s, so a respectable team um, by all accounts. Um, you know enough about Florida State. Um, so, Brett, I guess I'll ask you, while we're breaking down Florida State, how do you think the Knolls on the mound attack this regional? Yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if you don't see Messick in game one. Um, you know, I know Meat said in the presser that, you know, Hubbard was – they might still go with that same rotation depending on how they get guys rest-wise. And, you know, Bryce is obviously going to have the most rest on any of their pitchers. Um, but I think they'll go back to that Messick-Hubbard Grady, you know, I think maybe if they lose that game, they go to they go to Connor in game two that after the first game loss just to, you know, I think he might be the pitcher in any elimination games um, scenario just because he's been there. He's done that. Um, you know, he can handle that situation. And 
you know, you trust Connor with any scenario really in his experience and um, just attacking the zone the way he does. So maybe a little bit of that, but I mean, outside of that, I don't think it's any different for those top three. Um, you know, if you were to get into fourth and fifth starter, I think that's where um, just play the hot hand. You got to, I think, and you just got to go by who's, who's fresh, who's not. Um, you know, obviously Carson will be in that mix, but Carson struggled again with command um, in that Duke game. But uh, I think coaching staff was a little more um, excited about the intent he threw the ball with and how he approached it and, um, you know, sort of the body language on the mound. But, um, you know, Carson will be there and in there. I think Ross Dunn will be in there. I think Wyatt Crowell will be in there. Um, you know, depending on what Clayton Quickhouse has given you up to that point, he'll be in there because he can give you innings. And then um, I think Hunter Purdue could be a dark horse because you've seen him go three innings once this year and he was a starter back in juco so um you know i don't think the back end is going to change much you're going to see scolaro against lefties you're going to see anderson his last couple innings in a, in a close game you're going to see a lot of clayton um you know the one thing i would look for is maybe a little bit more usage of brandon walker um in the postseason um after what he's shown them a bit in the last couple of weeks yeah i think anybody brett who drops one of those first two games um, is in trouble. I think anyone in this regional, really, even even Southern Miss, who might have the the, the most, uh, I don't want to say they have the most depth in their pitching staff, but they might have the the most options to start games um, of of the four teams. But that's why going two and zero is so important, and why Florida State in 2019 was in such good shape. It was that they beat Georgia, you know, on that Saturday night game, and they were able to to really kind of um, plan things as efficiently as possible for that regional. Um, so yeah, try and win your first two games. If you do, I think, you know, if Messick goes Friday, him versus Stanley will be an excellent, excellent matchup between That's going to be one of the best pitching matchups of the day. Um, in my opinion, um, in all regionals. So, all right. Um, we'll come back to Florida state. Uh, if that's cool, we'll talk, we'll talk more about keys for Florida state. Um, just kind of getting through for, for our uh, Sunday golds fans, the rest of the region, all right, Southern Miss, 37 and 19, 22 and 9 in Conference USA. Uh, folks, this is a really good Eagles team. Um, matter of fact, they might have been the 17th seed if there was such a thing. Like they were right there to get one, um, and they were in the lead um, going into the conference tournament to get one, I think, over Louisiana Tech, who got the 16th overall um, seed. And what happened was heartbreaking for Southern Miss. If you didn't pay attention to the Conference USA tournament, um, they had some games on CBS Sports Network um, throughout the week. Southern Miss, after beating Louisiana Tech 4-1 to one in one of the earlier matchups of the, of the conference tournament, they lost to Louisiana Tech, I want to say on a walk-off, it was, a, it was an extra innings loss. After being up eight runs. They were up eight runs, and Louisiana Tech came back home and one in 10 innings on a walk-off. Um, and then they saw Louisiana Tech again in the semifinals for a chance to get to the finals, and they got walked off again. They, um, blew, they blew a three-run lead. They, in the a, ninth a ninth inning three-run lead. Like, folks, I can't explain to you enough. Like, Southern Miss was crushed. They, they choked. There's no other way to put it. Um, <laughs> Old Dominion, I believe, ended up winning the conference tournament with a walk-off over Louisiana Tech. Uh, um, Louisiana Tech hosted the tournament, by the way. So they're going to be playing postseason baseball in Ruston at their ballpark um, from the conference tournament and the regionals. So it was a crazy – it was an epic, epic 
conference tournament out there in Ruston. The Conference USA is a very entertaining league for those of you who don't watch it on a regular. Um, Rice is in that conference. Um, Florida Atlantic, I believe, is in that conf- in that conference. Um, Southern Miss is good every year. And uh, the Knowles were actually supposed to play Southern Miss uh, in a weekend series if we had a normal year. Um, and because the ACC cut the schedule down, the Knowles and uh, Southern Miss were not able to play. So now the Knowles will get to see them. And um, Brett, the, the thing about choking in your conference tournament is it doesn't really reflect how good of a team you probably are roster-wise. And for a small conference team, this is one of the best pitching staffs in the entire country. Yeah, this team is pretty similar to FSU. Um, you know, a bit of better average at the plate, but, um, you know, at the plate they go by power and, you know, they don't steal a bunch of bases, but, you know, they walk a bunch and, you know, on the mound, they just got a ton of depth and a ton of options. And you see that through their starters, you see that through their bullpen. I mean, they've got four guys that have 12 plus starts, um, you know, Friday, Saturday guys both have, um, ERAs below two, five, five. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, Stanley, like you talked about, is probably going to be their guy for that first game. He's only given up 67 hits in 93 innings and, and you know, only 16 walks, and he's struck out 119 guys, 198 average against. Um, you know, the glimmer of hope here for Florida State is, you know, he has given up 12 homers that this year. It's been his, you know, kind of his one weakness. So, um, you know, you hope you run into a couple of balls, and that's kind of been, you know, Florida State's strength this year. But, um, you know, that's also kind of, like I said, um, Southern Miss's strength. I mean, they've got three guys with 10-plus homers, um, 67 as a team for the season, um, only 30 stolen bases, pretty similar to Florida State fielding percentage-wise, 973. Um, I don't think you're going to find a better 2-3 matchup in the country for, um, you know, on Friday. This is, I think this will be a really good game. And, um, you know, I think Southern Miss is a, is a really, really good baseball team. And, you know, I think that's a really good conference as well, as well in the CUSA. Brett, they played Louisiana Tech 11 times this season. I looked up the the numbers. They went five and six against Louisiana Tech, and there were like a handful of one-run ball games. Like five or six of them were one-run ball games. If Florida State played seven more games against Miami, I don't know how many people would still be alive after it. Florida State would be a national seed. (laughs) Florida State would be 11-0. Yeah, so folks, uh, I mean, you look at the Conference USA and and, and up and down, it's a a bunch of really good averages, team batting averages, and not great team ERAs, and you can kind of flip that with Southern Miss. It's a team that has a lot of arms. I believe the Conference USA this year, Brett, I actually think did four-game weekend series, like they did Friday, doubleheaders on Saturday, and a game on Sunday, so very similar to how ACC did softball this season. Um, for those of you um, watching Florida State softball make their run into OKC. Um, so, yeah, these teams got really close and personal with each other, and there were no secrets for that conference tournament, but this is a Southern Miss team that – is a little bit different from the rest of the teams in the league. They, they pitch at a high level, um, and they maybe don't have that boisterous – you know, they don't have that very good team batting average. Um, and so I think FSU can have some success uh, against the Golden Eagles. Stanley, you, you mentioned him a little bit. I read that he was 92 to 95. He was the team's closer a year ago. Six-foot senior. He's pitched a, a lot of innings in his career in college. And he's got a pretty good slider and a, a changeup that they've developed this season. As he moved into, uh, as he moved into the rotation for them, Brett, they had to add a third pitch because he was mainly last year 94-95 with a wipeout slider um, to put people away in, in uh, limited work. So Stanley is fantastic. A lot of strikeouts and limited amount of innings. 67 hits in 93 innings. Like 16 walks, Brett, in 93 innings. Like he doesn't. 
He, he doesn't put people on base. So FSU's going to have to swing the bat. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Noel strike out double-digit times against Stanley. Um, but the key will be, as it has been numerous times this season, is can we run into two or three? And if we can do that, if you get a walk or a, a bloop base hit, um, a solid base hit, and a three-run bomb, right? You're, you're right there, and I think you feel great with Parker Messick on the mound that you might win this game uh, five to three or six to three, and that could be enough. So um, Southern Miss is going to be really good. I, I think they're very deep on the mound, and, they, and they've got some pretty good arms in the bullpen as well. And then at the plate, they've got some guys who can do some damage. Yeah, um, you know, they got four guys that really lead the way, and it's a bit of a drop-off after that. But, you know, four guys hitting 300-plus. I think Florida State only has one now that's um, that's qualified. But, um, you know, Charlie Fisher hitting 338 to lead the team. Um, you know, also got seven bombs and 11 doubles, 36 RBIs. Um, you know, does strike on a bit, but also has 44 walks. I mean, 505 on base percentage. Um yeah, I mean, you're getting on base over 50% of the time. You're having a pretty good season, I think. Um, you know, it looks to be the DH for them. Has <laughs> zero put-downs, zero assists, and zero errors this year. Um, heck of a year in the in the field there. But Gabe Montenegro is also hitting 330. Um, you know, 493 slug. He's got 21 doubles, um, only four homers. But, I mean, obviously that kid's doing something right to get 21 doubles. Um, that would be a team high on Florida State. That's a team high for Southern Miss. Um, you know, a guy that puts the ball in play a good bit, has more free passes than strikeouts, um, you know, can do some base running, six stolen bases this year. Um, Reed Trimble is their lead base stealer. He's got 11 stolen bases. He's also their lead slugger. He's got 14 homers this year to lead the team, and he's hitting 319, um, you know, 595 slug. Um, you know, he does not, you know, work many free passes, only 18 walks to 44 strikeouts, but he's probably the bat you're going to have to look at the most that's going to be a quick strike against um, a Florida State pitching staff, and um, you know Danny Lynch is the other one. He's in 306. He's also got double-digit homers with 10 home runs. So um, there's talent in that lineup. It's not a super deep lineup. Um, like I said, it just feels like a very similar team to Florida State. I think. Yeah, I think the one maybe caveat is that Southern Miss has only had maybe two or three games outside of you know playing. I don't want to say non-quality because Conference USA is a good conference, but like they haven't had a chance to really see the level of talent that they're about to see, uh, I think, in Oxford this weekend, not on a consistent basis. They, they really got um, familiar with the Conference USA and playing you know, every team four times. So uh, a bit unique, as every conference was this season in the way they set it up. But nonetheless, Southern Miss is RPI's 22, and they're ranked 20th in a couple of different polls. So this is a top 25 team. Uh, they've got a win against Alabama this year. Uh, they played Mississippi State close. They beat UConn twice. Um, Florida State's going to have to play well. Like it's it's going to be an ACC caliber opponent, I think. And you're really looking for Parker to kind of give you a, a great start. And also, you're looking for some timely hitting. I think Southern Miss is the team that's that's most built in this regional to lose a game and still come out of it. Um, I mean, they've they've got a real, a true four starter. I mean, I think Drew Boyd is their fourth starter, and he's got – oh, my goodness. I just realized all three of their starters have an ERA under 2.7. But um, their fourth starter also is a 3.76 ERA in 55 innings and 2.54 average against. Um, Walker Powell is, is their other starter, Saturday starter, I believe, and he's got 81.2 innings, and he's got a 2.53 ERA. Ben Etheridge is a 2.65 ERA in 71.1 innings, 71 innings pitched and 2.17 average against – 
Um, you know, I guess since they had these four game weekends that, you know, one of these guys was just their fourth starter, but, um, you know, that's probably going to help them help all these CUSA teams out in, in postseason play just because they've got that experience starting. Um, but I mean, they've also got, I think Ryan Auk will probably be the guy you see out of the pen for, for Southern Miss, um, 20 appearances, 30 in, innings pitched this year, one four seven ERA, 48 Ks and in 30 innings and only 10 walks. Um, has only allowed two homers. Um, Garrett Ramsey also has nine saves, but he's only thrown 14 innings. Um, but he also has a two six year ERA. I mean, up and down. This it's really good ERAs. It's really good numbers. Um, I'm sure they got good stuff. Um, you know, you don't strike out 522 batters and 46 466 innings as a staff without having some good stuff. So, um, I mean, you're going to have to come ready to swing the bats. Yeah, I actually watched some some tape on Ryan Ock. Uh, he worries me if Southern Miss is leading. Um, say Hunter Stanley gives them a great start, you know, six innings or seven innings of strong, and they bring in Ock. He's a lefty, and against a, a lineup like our own that has struggled against lefties this season, uh, he comes from like a funky arm slot. Like it's 87-88, and he does all this herky-jerky stuff where – it's tough to see. It's it's wipeout slider, and there's a reason he's got a one four seven ERA and all those strikeouts in thirty innings. Like he can shut the door down, um, and I I don't like that matchup for FSU if the Knolls are, you know, trailing late into the game and and then they bring him in. So um, big matchup between the Knolls and the uh, Golden Eagles. Um, I guess do you want to talk about the matchup specifically, or do you want to move on to Ole Miss? I was just gonna say on Auk. I mean. His his back leg on on it just it touches the ground when he's pitching. I mean it, it's it's a weird motion. I mean I don't think I'd be able to pay attention to the arm. I mean the release point much of it as a hitter. Um, I mean it looks like he's got some of that you know messic to him with the low release point and the ball kind of rises on hitters. Um, you know has that effect. Um, like you said, yeah, I, I don't love this matchup for Florida State either with if he's coming out of the bullpen and they have a, have a lead. So, um, you know, I think a key to this matchup is you got to get out early. You got to get, you know, a home run from one of those three in the middle, I think, with Nelson, um, Robbie, and Cabell. Uh, I think that's kind of your path to winning, um, you know, for the rest of this postseason, and especially against against Stanley and, you know, these, these arms they got here at Southern Miss. Yeah, so – Folks, you want to know? Southern Miss was very close to being a regional host, and they are regional coast. They are regional host quality. They're also not too far away from Oxford. They'll be able to make a drive, and they'll have a, a decent amount of fans. You might remember them back in 2016. They came to Tallahassee for a. Um, I want to say they came in for a regional, um, and so they had a, a decent amount of fans that made the trip to to Tally as well. So, um, yeah. Golden Eagles got a shot. I, I think they're a dark horse to to make it to Super Regionals. And, and quite honestly, I think Southern Miss is a, is a dark horse to make Omaha. Like, there's always that one team I think of every year. Uh, Kent State comes to mind, right? Um, who's the team that, that, that made uh, – Stony Brook back in 2012. East Carolina. East, I mean, it's just there are teams that make – I mean, not East Coastal, Coastal Carolina. There are teams that always, like, just kind of get hot, and they come from this small conference where you didn't expect it. And all of a sudden, you know, they're the darling in Omaha. And, and Southern Miss fits that mold. Uh, Coach Barry is fantastic. And, um, yeah, Meet and, uh, Meet and Barry had a, an agreement to play this year. So that might be something you see in the future where the Knowles and the Golden Eagles are playing in a early season 
um, maybe a February or March uh, regular season series. But all right, let's talk about the, uh, the the favorites, so to speak, of this regional. The home team at Swayze Field, Ole Miss, forty-one and nineteen, eighteen and twelve. They were one of the best teams in in all of the SEC. And usually, if you are one of the best teams in the SEC, you're probably one of the best teams in the country. Um, they can really hit. This lineup is the best in the field, in the in the quadrant, I should say, in our regional by far. Uh, you've got guys up and down that lineup, like one through six, that I'm like, dang, who do you want to pitch to? And uh, they've got a, they've got this like folk hero, folk tale hero right now, and Tim Elko. That if you've been paying attention to the SEC tournament or college baseball the last couple of weeks, he's playing on a torn ACL. Um, He's only played, I believe, in like 35 starts this season, and he's got 13 home runs. He's he's a true stud. Like he's a very good player. It's a great story. You might get nauseous the amount of times you hear, you know, the the broadcast team kind of like glorify him throughout the weekend. So just prepare yourself. Is he their catcher? I think he was their first baseman. Okay. Um, DH in that you're thing. right. You're right. It is. It is. It is not their catcher. Their catcher. Um, Aiden Dunhurst. Dunhurst. Yeah, and he's very good as well behind the plate. But Ole Miss guys, um, they lost Gunnar Hoagland, who is probably would have been a first round pick. I don't know if he still will be, but but he might first or second round pick. A, a true All American superstar. And between him and Doug Nikhazy, like Ole Miss had maybe the best one two punch in the country. Like it was right there with all the press goes to Leiter and um, Kumar Rocker at Vandy. But, like, Ole Miss had themselves something fantastic. And Hoagland actually is out for the year. Did he Did he have to get Tommy John? believe so, yeah. Okay, yeah, and, and that's big. He started 11 games for them, and his numbers were simply incredible. Like, it's a big loss, and that's huge because Ole Miss um, really is not a team with pitching depth. Um Nikhazy kind of leads things off for them. Uh, a lefty, about 5'11", uh, big-time breaking ball, 12'6". Uh, fastball that can get to about 90, 92, 93 with it, and he pitches with attitude. Um, he, he will do semantics on the mound, um, and he does like to play to his home crowd a little bit as well. Um, but he has stepped in admirably. He is a, a true ace on his own. They were really 1A, 1B. Um, Nikhazy's probably going to get left until um, Saturday to face Florida State or Southern Miss. Um, but this is a team that plays with a lot of confidence. They play with attitude. Um, I watched them in the SEC tournament a little bit, um, and they, they play with a swagger and a chip on their shoulder. And so they are the favorites to win. They're the 12 national seed. And, yeah, I mean, they're the favorite, Brett, but, but that doesn't mean that they're unbeatable, and, and we can dive into their pitching a little bit as well after we talk about how good their lineup is. Yeah, I mean, this lineup is, is it's stacked. I mean, there's no other way to look. I mean, you got five guys hitting 300-plus, um, you know, another three hitting 275-plus. Um, you know, your worst average in the lineup is, is probably going to be 221, but after, but after that, I mean, your worst is 260. Um, you know, up the middle, they're really good defensively. Um, yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> – Compared to what Florida State has average-wise, it's, it's tough to look at this and, you know, get a bit jealous. But, I mean, 291 average as a team, um, you know, 389 on-base percentage, 458 slug. Um, you know, Jacob Gonzalez leads them with 354 average. He's also got 10 homers, um, you know, more free passes and strikeouts. 
just a really good player overall and you know has really broke out for them this season and Kevin Graham, two thirty. I mean, three thirty nine is second on the team. Uh, both those guys have started every game this year for them. Um, he's he leads the team with fourteen home runs, um, five seventy five slug, uh, four nineteen on base percentage. He's also got more free passes and strikeouts. Um, you know, this is a team that can do a lot of things, but um, you know, they also you know they work a lot of free passes. They hit homers. I mean. You know, you got a couple guys that can steal bases at a high rate. Um, you know, Justin Bench has 13 stolen bases. T.J. McCants for center fielder has 10. Uh, both those guys are hitting over 300, and uh, both have five plus homers. Uh, both have two triples. So I mean, those are the, the wheels in the lineup for them. Um, you know, Dunhurst, like you said, is a very good catcher, uh, one of the tops in the, in the nation, hitting 283. He's got seven homers. You know, good defensively behind the plate. Um, and then, you know, Elko, like you said, that folk here, I mean, he's got 13 home runs and 136 at-bats. Um, you know, he had two home runs, I believe, in one game in, in a SEC tournament. Um, I think that was against Vanderbilt, and, and they got walked off in that game. But, I mean, he's the guy that they rally around. He was their captain before the injury. Um, you know, people thought he was done for the year. But, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the guy they, they're going to rally around. And if he does something – um, you know, that team's really going to surge, I think. And, um, you know, you just got to try to keep that ball in the yard because, you know, in a torn uh, ACL, I don't think he's going to be running the bases a whole ton. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this lineup, I think they're seventh in the country in runs scored. Um, yeah, it's a tough ask for any pitching staff. No doubt. And and they, they're really good at home. I think, what are they, like eight eight or nine losses at home all year? 27 and nine at home. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, the park's interesting. Um, it's 390 to dead center, um, so it's a bit shorter. Uh, the gaps are 365 to, to left center and right center, so there's a chance for the ball to leave the ballpark there. Um, and I think it's 330 or 335 to left and right. True. Um, it's a beautiful ballpark. They've got a, a really nice scoreboard in left. Um, that is behind uh, a bunch of extra bleacher seating. So it kind of has that minor league feel to a ballpark. Um, they're famous for the beer showers and right. They kind of set it up. A lot of SEC teams have this where they have like a berm in the outfield where you can set up, you know, lawn chairs and tents and um, they have that in right. So the, the, the college kids really um, take that to heart. And if they hit a home run, you'll see red solo cups flying in the air and and beer just going all over the place so they do that often they've been famous for it and uh, Swayze Field's known for for being a, a very raucous crowd uh, but I think that also could play to Florida State's advantage the Knolls have have really played well in those types of environments this season um but Brett let's talk about their pitching a little bit Nikhazy's as good as good as it gets he might be the best pitcher in this entire regional I think it's it's up there um, he's probably a second or third round pick. Um, but after him, their closer's good, Tanner Broadway. He's been pretty much shut down for them when he's gotten the chance. But after you know, after those two, they really struggle. Like they don't really have a ton of arms. Derek Diamond, who they might go with on Friday, he throws hard. I think he throws like 95, 96, but he gives up a ton of hits and and, and a lot of home runs and has a high ERA. Um they really don't have a lot of starting pitching options because losing Hoagland, if you had Hoagland, like this is a one-two punch that could get you to Omaha, no doubt, um, especially with that lineup. But if they lose that first game, Brett, I think they could be in trouble. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, Nikhazy is as good as it gets. But, um, you know, even before they lost Hoagland, they were still trying to figure out their third starter situation. 
Um, so, I mean, now that they got in a kind of a situation where they didn't, they had to figure out second and third starters, um, you know, like you said, Diamond will be probably be that guy for them. That is their number two that goes in that first game. But, I mean, he's a 5-4-3 ERA, um, you know, just gives up a bunch of homers. It seems like 12 home runs he's given up. 263 average against does have 76 strikeouts and 66 innings, um, but has allowed, um, I mean, he doesn't walk a ton of guys, 26, but you know, that, that, you know, the big fly is, is, has been his issue the entire year. Um, it seems that Drew McDaniel is the other arm for them. That's going to be a starter five, one, four ERA and 61.1 innings pitched. He also struggles with the home home run ball a bit. Nine homers allowed 275 average against 21 walks and, and 69 strikeouts. Um, but I mean, the Casey's numbers are, are ridiculous and you can see why, um, you know, why they would maybe want to save him for that, that second game. And, um, I mean, it's a big risk reward thing. It seems like don't really know if that's for sure yet, but, um, I mean, he's as good as it gets. I don't think there's many better pitchers in the country. Two one eight ERA and 78 innings pitched 114 strikeouts, 179 average against, um, believe he has a curveball and a slider and a good fastball. Um, like you said, I mean, he's electric factory on the mound. Um, you know, gives you the shimmies, give you the, gives you the shakes, give you the, gives you the, the yells, the fist pumps, the, you know, the case struts, um, you know, pretty fun to watch him pitch if you're just watching him against any other team. But if you're watching him against your team, you're probably not going to be having a whole lot of fun. I don't think. Yeah. He, like I said, I think he might be the best pitcher overall, um, in the regional, and you would love you would love for him to be pitching, you know, like in the first game on Saturday, trying to uh, stave off elimination and, and save their season instead of in the primetime game in the winner's bracket game. But it's an Ole Miss team that really feeds off of energy of their home park. They've got a, a dugout that loves to jump out of it and really hype each other up. Um, they talk a lot. Like it's a team that talks a lot. Like they, they, they like to chat. They like to talk smack. Um, and they've backed it for most of the year. And with 40-plus wins, like, you, you've done it. You've got a lineup that feeds off each other, you know. When, when one guy starts hitting, it seems like it, it kind of catapults. But they have been shut down by good pitching this season. So I do think if FSU is, you know, pitching on a Saturday night and you go with Bryce Hubbard or Connor Grady, uh, I could see them having great starts um, because those two are both quality pitchers. And, um, yeah, uh, Ole Miss is going to be tough. They 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 – they're maybe not this without a flaw team that some of the other teams in the SEC are where you kind of point at them and go, dang, they're really good all the way around. Um, but they do some things extremely well, and they do them even better at home um, when they're at Swayze Park. So um, I'm interested to see how they do. Nikhazy really, like I said it earlier, he has that breaking ball that's a true 12-6, and it looks like Clayton Kershaw's. Like, it's huge. And, and he throws it for strikes. He can throw it for swing and miss. Um, the fastball, he can pitch off of that, and he's got a good changeup too. And, and like you said, he pitches with attitude. So um, the Noles are going to have their, you know, the, their hands full. But, Brett, let's talk about some keys to this regional because I don't think it's that different from what you faced all year because you faced a really good schedule. You faced some, some talent. You faced conference, an ACC conference that I think is better than people are giving it credit for because the numbers – we're not ballooned with the RPI due to the fact that they all played each other so much. Um, the Noles are going to have to pitch. Parker, Bryce, and Connor are all capable of giving you six or seven innings of absolute immaculate baseball, right? Like they can be, and we've seen it at different times, they have been incredible. Um, if they do that, 
And I think it's more about them than the people that they're facing. If they do that, Florida State hasn't gotten blown out a whole lot this year. I know the Duke game aside, it hasn't really happened. Like the Knowles have played with everybody tough. They've played with the best teams in the country down to the wire. I see no reason to believe that FSU won't be in every game in this regional. Um, but yeah, let's start with pitching and, and maybe uh, defensively, let's let's have some zeros on the board, huh? Yeah, and I think Florida State will be in these games. Like you said, I mean, that Duke game was obviously not great timing, but it was really the first time all year Florida State had been blown out like that. And, um, you know, the only other game I can really remember that wasn't competitive was maybe Saturday of Virginia Tech, and you still won that series. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you just, with Parker, I think you just, um, you know, you get the attitude from him, you get him to bring it and bring the energy to the, the dugout and, um, you know, keep the ball down, keep the changeup going, keep the field, the changeup going. When the changeup's going, um, you know, Parker can be really untouchable sometimes. Uh, with Bryce, I mean, just keep the ball in the corners, get this curveball down, um, you know, keep the fastball, you know, at the belt and not way up there. I mean, sometimes when he's been um, off the last couple of weeks, he's really lost his fastball up, like way up. Um, you're not being able to command it and get it down. That was his struggles last year. Um you know, but if he can work at the belt and down, he'll be he'll be fine. I think you don't worry about him that much if he's there and can you know sort of reel himself in and not be too amped up again. Um, you know, Connor's Connor. I mean, you know what you're going to get. And when it comes to the bullpen, I mean, just get strikes. I mean, just make guys beat you. I think. And um, you know, there's talent in the pen to get get the job done. And I mean, you've got Hunter Purdue throwing hundred. You've got Jack has really good slider. I mean, Clayton is, has been really good for Florida state for four or five years now. Joan has been good for Florida state now for four, four years. Um, you know, you've got a, a mix of experience. You got a mix of arms. Like we've talked about all year. I mean, um, you know, I think you've, you've definitely got the arms to lose one maybe and, and still move on. But I think like you said, the path here is really for Florida state just to, um, you know, lean on those three weekend arms that they've leaned on all year to win all these series that they have. Give me a couple of key names in that lineup that need to be uh, kind of your your picks to click for this weekend. Because you know Nelly's going to hopefully, you know, this would be an awful weekend for for the ACC Player of the Year not to not to have the regular, you know, the stuff that he's had all season. But who are some other guys that need to kind of join into the into the bunch and kind of get things going offensively? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, touching on Nelly, I mean, I think he's a guy that's built for these moments, and you know, he showed it in. LSU with big plays. I mean, he showed it, you know, two years ago with big plays and, you know, uh, going back to pitching Parker, I think is really built for this moment and everything we've seen from him in big moments in his time at Florida State. I mean, Florida that first time, I mean, Texas tech, I mean, both of those last year and all the times he's given you this year on Fridays. So I think you're really excited about what that battery can give you in game one. But I mean, keys for me, I mean, you know what you're going to get from Lacey and, and, and T Mart, you know, you're going to get Tyler on base, you know, Lacey's going to be the aggressive bat you need. Um, you know, I think the coaching staff feels like this this whole lineup together is, is going to click here. I think they feel like this is going to be the best they can get out of this group. Um, you know, we haven't seen all year at one point where Nelson, Cabell, and Martin have all been hot at the same time. I think they're bang- they kind of hope that this is the week and think there's a potential for that. I mean, Nelly has been good for you all year. Robbie's starting to swing the bat much better now. It was good to see him um, really tattoo a baseball in, in, you know, um, in Charlotte for that home run against Duke, and that ball was crushed. And, you know, two other hits as well. 
Um, you know, Elijah just seems due for a homer, seems due for a big hit, hasn't had one the past couple weeks. Um, you know, I think you're pretty comfortable where, where you're at with Jackson Green right now. You feel like you're going to get a quality at bat, maybe not a ton of production, but you feel like you're going to get, you know, on base at least once a game. You feel like he's going to, you know, be kind of be that second table setter in the bottom of the order. Um, you know, I think the keys are just, you know, Nico Valdor is dealing with a bit of an injury right now, but I think he's your most solid option at center field, um, hitting and defensively wise. Um, you know, Nico is a good outfielder. I mean, he's a corner outfielder, but um, he's showing you he can play center field, especially in a small center field like Ole Miss has. I think that could benefit Florida State with the center field situation they're in. Um, you know, I know Reese wasn't having a super productive year, but defensively that was a big loss for Florida State. And, you know, we'll never know what kind of year Reese would have had if he'd came back. But, um, you know, I think Dylan Simmons is swinging the bat really well right now. That's another key. And, you know, just the biggest key, I think, is going to be Nander and what Nander gives you. What is he a positive player for you? Is he going to field the way you need him to field at shortstop, make the routine plays? make a couple plays to his left and right, get a couple base knocks. He seems due for a big hit as well. Um, you know, I, I have a feeling that this is going to be a week where the lineup starts to click a bit more, like not as much as it did in Athens a couple of years ago. Um, I don't think there's as much talent there as there was on that Athens team, but I think this team is is ready to hit a little bit better than we've seen um, in the past couple of weeks. You know, I think if Jackson Green does kind of continue to give you what he's been able to to provide the last couple of weeks like that changes your offense at the bottom of the order especially um I, I just you know if he's helping turn the order back to the top for Tyler Barton and Logan Lacey and then Matt Nelson I just think you're going to be in good shape and so if you can get the be- I think you got to get the best versions of pretty much everyone right like I think Parker Bryce Connor the bullpen they're all going to have to be their best versions um and then I think the lineup's just going to have to be who they've been um, when they've been at their best, right? Against Miami, against Florida, the one game in tally. What we saw, I think, at NC State was pretty encouraging. Um, they've had some really good moments this year, and so I don't think you stray away from it too much. If you have to play small ball at times to, to move runners, you're going to have to execute. Uh, I think, you know, if you can hit some long balls this weekend too, um, the ball carries really well at Swayze Field, especially in the uh, in the summers. Um I think you can really kind of dictate the pace of some of these games and, and, and kind of have kind of have game control, right? And um, let's see if Matt Nelson can be the difference maker, kind of like the best player of the regional and, and kind of prove why we think he's working his way towards a, a top two-round uh, MLB selection. Yeah, I think Matthew Nelson could really put himself in good standing Golden Spikes-wise. And, you know, if he shows up and he's the best player, whether you've got an SEC team, you've got a team that was – you know, top in their conference of CUSA. Um, you know, I believe Matt is the best player going into this. I mean, the numbers are the best. Um, you need him to be that best player. Um, you you need Robbie to be good behind him so teams can't work around him. Um, I just think the biggest thing this weekend is just all around, I mean, just execution. Like you said, small ball. Get the bunts down when you need to get the bunts down. In the field, make the routine plays when you need the routine plays. Turn the double plays when they're there. There's been a couple times this year when, you know, not turning double plays have, have you know, just been costly, very costly for Florida State in some Sunday games. Um, you know, when you when you score post-shutdown innings after it, um, you know, when you're up 0-2 in the count, you know, put people away, don't work around it. 
just execute. I mean, I think as this team executes the little things and, you know, you know, run around third less than two ounce, you got to score. I mean, there's just certain things this team has to do to win. Um, you know, even if they don't get the home run ball, I mean, they've really got to execute, but you hope to get the home run ball. You hope to execute the small things. And I think you've got, you've got a chance to come out of here, but I mean, like I said, it's just, just, just a really tough draw. I mean, it's going to be a really tough weekend. It's going to be a grind, I think. Yeah, I think winning your first two is is imperative. Like, I think that, and that kind of seems like a, a very obvious statement to make, but I just don't think Florida State, they haven't shown you the ability all season to win um, consistently three games in a row. Um, and then what you're going to have to do if you drop one of those first two games, right, I think is you have to win three in a row to get out. Um, and so, I don't know. I just I, The best case scenario for me is, is you win this thing in three games, um, or if you drop, right, say like you win your first two and then you drop that first one on Sunday night and you're having to play an if necessary game, I think you take your chances with that over having to kind of work your way through the loser's bracket, pretty much waste all your arms, not really be in control. And, um, not only that, but the other, t- whoever the other team is that goes two and O is a lot fresher, um, and, and feeling much better moving into the, to res- the rest of the regional, but yeah, the Noles are capable. Like, we've seen it. We've seen the best case of this team. We've seen the best version of this team. And we've seen some some pretty ugly baseball at times. I, I just – I really don't want to see the ball being booted around. Like, that's the one thing that I think could kill this FSU team is if they commit four errors in a game and they're melting down. Um, that could be really tough. But, um, Brett, do you want to give your prediction for this regional? it's tough um i think florida state will win their first game i think if you get in a casey game two you'll lose there i think you find your way into that last matchup with ole miss but i think ultimately ole miss is just gonna out hit florida state especially if florida state doesn't have one of their top three starters um you know i also think southern miss could pitch their way out of this I, I just don't love the draw. I don't think I'm going to pick Florida State to to go on to Super Regionals. I'm probably um, going to take Ole Miss to slug their way out of this. You know, and I struggle with it too. Um, I just think there aren't many regionals throughout the entire country. Like maybe – I'm looking through some of these. Maybe Columbia with Old Dominion, South Carolina, and Virginia where you go – any of those three teams could win it. It is the case in Oxford – where I think any of the three of Florida State, Southern Miss, Ole Miss could win it, and you wouldn't be shocked because they're all quality baseball teams. Um, That being said, I just – this FSU team plays really well when it's pissed off and it feels like it's been disrespected, or if it gets into an environment and you've got some chirping going on to kind of rile this team up. Like, Brett, you know some of the guys. Like, like, you know, I think the fans know that by now, but – there are a lot of alpha dog personalities on this FSU baseball team. Like they are the type that, you know, if you kind of push their buttons, we saw it with Parker Messick against Miami. Like this team feeds off of disrespect. And I don't know. I, I go back to that Virginia tech series where this is going to be a different animal than Virginia tech, but it, it was maybe the best atmosphere that they played in on the road um, all year, and they really responded to some of the trash talk and the the iron hammer or whatever the hell that they do. Um, you've got to you've got to love it when you've scored eight runs on a guy in one inning and he trash talks you. That's you got to love that. <laughs> you talking about Rosario? Oh, yeah. with Miami. Yeah, it was funny because Parker seemed to kind of be shaky a little bit there in the middle innings, 
And then it was like Dude. snap of the finger, and Parker was like, oh, boy. And I, I told – I don't remember who I was watching it with, but I was like, if he strikes out this final batter – Parker's going to lose turn, his mind. Parker's going to turn right into that opposing dugout, and he's going to have a few choice words. Um, he's going to let you know uh, who your daddy is. Um, and as soon as he struck out the final batter, Cameron, I think the producer and the director knew what was happening because Parker had some choice words. And um, that's the type of attitude I think this team has to pitch with. I, I, I really do. Um, and this regional, I think, is going to go – many different personalities it could like every tip every type of path that it could take right to uh to finding a winner and if you get to a sunday and conor grady can close it out for you he's like the perfect ice to the fire of messick and hubbard to kind of end things when a team because you know the team that gets to sunday is playing well right like they're hot they've won a couple of games um they're trying to to build some momentum and, and get it into a, a game seven on a monday night and like we saw against Georgia, Connor Grady was like, I'm not having none of that. And um, he's the perfect guy, I think, in a game three if you're up 2-0. But I know you, we asked what my prediction was, and I kind of gave you a rant. Um, because FSU hasn't shown me consistently all year that they can win three games in a row, I will say that they are one of the last two teams standing, like you did. And I also think, I also think Ole Miss probably finds a way to just kind of get that big hit. I think there's going to be a, a crushing, like, heartbreaking moment in this region uh, somewhere. You're really predicting fun things to happen. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> David, uh. But, like, my heart tells me Florida State's going to win because I, I really believe this team, when they've been asked to kind of play in these types of circumstances, they have, they have done it. You're going with your brain or your heart? I think I'm going with my brain on this one. Um, I'll go Ole Miss. I think it'll be close. And... Um, yeah, I think Ole Miss – I think it goes to a game seven. There, there's mine. It goes into a Monday night, and I think Ole Miss finds a way. But all right, Brett, I think that, that does it for for a lot of this podcast. I, I did want to ask you, were there any other regionals that caught your eye? We don't have to predict all of them, but um, were there any other that in your mind stuck out as interesting to you? I mean, I would just love to see some of these ACC teams do some damage <laughs> against against some of these SEC teams and, and regionals. Um you know, Virginia comes to mind game one against South Carolina, Duke, Duke at Tennessee. Um, you know, I think that's one of the top, top teams that could fall. I mean, Duke's playing as hot as anybody right now. Um, you know, interested to see what LSU does with Paul Maneri's last year. And if they can find some of that magic that Florida State found in 11's last year. And Gonzaga has been one of the teams this year. that has been really good and out of small schools. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to pick anybody but Arkansas to win this whole thing. It's. I mean, they're they're just an unstoppable train right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think they're they're really tough, and you pretty much picked all the regionals that I thought would be interesting. I think NC State's going to win the Ruston Regional. Um, they're on fire, and then uh, I'm I'm interested too in the uh, Tucson Regional. I think Grand Canyon's a quality team, and Okie State's hot, and uh, Santa Barbara's not a fair um, lower seeded team there. I think they've got a ton of pitching. Um, and have the ability to make Omaha. Um, so Zona, um, I think they're on upset alert. But, yeah, Oxford, I would say, one through three is as good as it gets um, anywhere. It's definitely a lot better than uh, Starkville. Holy crap. Like, Starkville. How, how do you put that region together? Like, I, one last rant before we, we sign this off. Like, how, how in the world do you give Mississippi State, and if you're an Ole Miss fan, you're probably pissed about this, obviously, biased there because they hate each other 
Samford, VCU, and Campbell. How is that your two, three, and your four? VCU is your two? Is that correct? Yes. What? Campbell's your three. That looks like a early season conference, a non-conference thing Mississippi State put together to warm up their pitchers. Like, what? what is that? VCU, Campbell, Samford. You know what other one's pretty easy? Vanderbilt's got Georgia Tech is there too, who's below FCU and RPI, and then Indiana State and Presbyterian. Dude, the NCAA did not think about this very long. Arkansas, I, I really Arkansas's got Nebraska, Northeastern, and, and New Jersey Institute, Tech, Institute of Technology. Some of these regionals were put together, Brett, after the TV schedule was made, and there was a bunch of teams that were still left on the table. I'm telling you, I'm, 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 maybe I'm a, th- this could be a little bit of conspiracy theory, but I think I'm right. They got through the TV schedule, and I think there were a bunch of teams left that they were like, hey, they've got to be somewhere. And so, here we go. That's why Florida State's in a, I mean, Florida State's in a regional that's got three teams that can make it. So, anyway, all right, that's enough uh, ranting from me. Brett, anything you want to add? Um, you'll be there for, for Tomahawk Nation covering. Uh, I'll be there actually covering for, for the Osceola. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, uh, you guys can, can uh, read our stuff throughout the weekend. And, uh, Brett, any final thoughts? I really hope it's not a painful week weekend in, yeah. in Mississippi. No doubt. All right. Well, uh, for Brett Nevitt, I'm Ari Masudi. Please, uh, if, if you like our podcast and you've been listening all year, share it with your friends. If you're on Apple, um, on iTunes, on, on Apple Pods, could you please give us uh, five stars and, and leave us a review, email us, tweet us, um, and we'll, we'll try and have some instant reacts as well throughout the, the weekend in Oxford. But until uh, hopefully a, a super regional preview, possibly, um, Ario and Brett signing off.